Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. This is Ken Souter, your host for the next hour of a show we call It's a New Day here on WFYL 1180 AM. We thank you for tuning in this morning. Boy, do we have a good show for you today. We are going to be biblically speaking on, you guessed it, the coronavirus during the first half of the show. And during the second half, well, we're going to have a special guest, PA State Representative David H. Zimmerman, representative of District 99, which includes a good part of Lancaster County. And, uh, well, let me just say this. You'll have to stay tuned because you'll not want to miss what I'm about to ask him about, abortion in Pennsylvania, abortion. This station is unique, folks. Not many radio stations bring you a biblical perspective on things. God's Word has answers to all things. Yes, all things. There's something something in there for every situation. And, uh, you know, the Bible says there's truly nothing new under the sun. And that is also true, is it not? Nothing happens in this world that catches God off guard. No, not even a worldwide pandemic. God has every bit of it under control. He knows what he's doing. He knows why he's doing it. And um, so that's what I'm going to hopefully encourage your heart today to know that our sovereign God is in control of all things. And uh, we, what we want to do is take a look at maybe biblically why this is happening. I know there are many uh, really in a state of fear and uncertainty and I may, dare I say even panic about all that is happening in the last several weeks. Uh, seems all that we have come to enjoy has come to a screeching halt. Yay, even that sacred cow sports <laughs> Uh, you know, it's just absolutely incredible. I would have never thought that such a, uh, a little invisible virus, which you can't even see, um, would be able to bring us in a sense to a grinding halt, really. So here's the question. Biblically speaking, why has this happened? And secondly, can we learn anything from it? And then thirdly, maybe how do we proceed from here? Okay, so those are three of the things I want to look at this morning. I've been a student of God's Word for as long as I've been a Christian, from 45 years. I've attended many Bible studies. I've attend, listened to many sermons, take, took, taken many notes. Um I am uh, a self-taught scholar, as you will. And, and just bear this in mind, uh, you know, God is our teacher. We go to his word, the Holy Bible, and I prefer and believe that God has given us one Bible, the King James Bible, and that's the one I use. And uh, I study it and study it and study it. And believe me, folks, there is just a lot of answers in there. There's a lot of wisdom that we can get from it. It's a shame in these days that so many so-called believers are turning to all sorts of other sources uh, to get answers uh, to the questions of life. 
And uh, it just never amazes me. But God's word is relevant to today and everything that is happening. So let's start off with this. You know, why has this happened? What What's going on here? Why does God allow plagues? It seems like such a bad thing, doesn't it? It seems like, why would he do that? You know, certainly he can't be behind that. Well, the short answer is because God allowed it to happen. That's the short answer. <laughs> God allowed it to happen. Nothing in this world can happen without God's permissive will. In other words, he allows things to happen. God is the sovereign ruler over this world. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So he created this world. It is his world. He has it under control. It also says that he controls plagues. And I want to read you Isaiah 45, 7, which says this. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Yes, even the things which we see as evil is in God's full control. Let me repeat that. Even the things which we see as evil is in God's full control. Why does he do it? Well, one of the reasons he does it is to make us see his power. The Bible, particularly the Old Testament, describes numerous occasions when God brought plagues and diseases on his people and on his enemies to make you see my power, he says. He used plagues on Egypt to force Pharaoh to free the Israelites from bondage while sparing his people from being affected by them. You can read about this in Exodus chapter 12 and 15 thus indicating his sovereign control over diseases and other afflictions. God's people were in trouble in Egypt. They needed to be ransomed. They needed to be released. They needed to be freed from the grip of uh, a demonic, evil king, Pharaoh. Uh, and, and God used ma major plagues, uh, frogs and lice and and so forth, that uh, God brought into that country and spared his people while at the same time he was uh, bringing Pharaoh to his knees, as it were. And uh, in this, we see his power. We see how, how, how powerful God is. He can bring down the most powerful governments on the earth, and he's done it in the past, and he's doing it today. Um, my ghost, I think about China and all that the power of China, you know, and their 40th anniversary of communism, I believe it was, 40th, 30th, 40th, I believe. They just celebrated a big, big uh, celebration in China and to watch the military prowess and the 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 precision of the troops and the uh, President Xi riding in an open car and reviewing the troops. Boy, it was magnificent. It was so incredible to watch. And yet, look what's happening. God is dealing with China in this time. I don't want to speak for God. I don't know what he's doing, but I know this, that nations that 
hate King Jesus and persecute his people suffer consequences of that. And so this is why we want to make sure as a nation that we uh, we uh, we we are supporting the church and Christians and believers, not persecuting them and and and, uh, you know, uh, paying uh uh, respect and honor to God's people. We are his people and God looks out for us. So number one, to make us see his power. Number two, consequences of disobedience. Sometimes God brings plagues uh, as a as a consequence of payment for disobedience, including uh, many plagues found in Leviticus. If you read Leviticus 26, let me just read 21 and verse 25, 21, verse 21 and verse 25 to help you see this a little bit. This is Leviticus and it says, and if ye walk contrary unto me, in other words, you don't do what I ask you to do and will not hearken unto me, I will bring seven times more plagues upon you according to your sins. If you do this, I will do that. Leviticus 26.25 is the other verse I referred to. Let me read that. And I will bring a sword upon you that shall avenge the quarrel of my covenant. And when ye are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you, and ye shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. Again, disobedience for God's people. This is referring to God's people. He will bring a sword upon them to chastise them and to bring them back to where he wants them to be. And that's in uh, obedience to his will, his commandments. Um, on two other occasions, God destroyed, for example, 14,700 people and 24,000 people for various acts of disobedience. You can read about that in number 16. And Numbers 25. <clears throat> After giving the Mosaic Law, God commanded the people to obey it or suffer many evils, including something that sounds like Ebola. Quote, the Lord will strike you with wasting disease, with fever and inflammation, which will plague you until you perish. And that's in Deuteronomy 28, 22. Um, it says it, it says this, it says, The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption and with a fever and with an inflammation and with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew, and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. Um, yeah, these are just a few examples of the many plagues and diseases that God uh, caused. Um, and he also does it uh, for another reason, and that is to get our attention and turn us from our sin and rebellion. It's sometimes hard to imagine our loving and merciful God displaying such wrath and anger towards his people. Uh, but God's punishments always have the goal of repentance and restoration. Uh, for example, in 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14, uh, God said to Solomon this. He says, if my people, 
which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. That's a promise there. If my people, that's that's God's people, that's uh, if you're a believer listening today, you know who you are. He says, which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. So there's a couple things here. Humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. God's people are involved in wicked ways. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Oftentimes, punishment comes against God's people. Judgment begins at the house of God. We say, well, aren't we God's people? We're not, we're not in sinning. We're not in bondage. And yet when Jesus confronted the most religious of the religious <laughs> in his time, the Pharisees, and he told them that they were in spiritual bondage, you know, uh, basically he told them that they, they were, uh, they did not know God. And what an insult that was to them. They said, you know, we, we were never in bondage to any man. You know, we, we're children of Abraham. We can trace our, our bloodline back to Abraham, the father of us all. And, uh, so what Jesus was saying there, that is, uh, you know, you may think that you're a child of Abraham, a child of faith, but we're all the children of Abraham, the Bible says, by faith, not by bloodline. Just because you're a, a Jewish, have Jewish blood in you or Abrahamic blood in you does not make you a chosen people. What makes you a chosen person is the faith of Abraham. That's what makes you the child of Abraham. Okay, we're all the children of God by faith. It says in Jesus Christ, that's how we're children of God. We're not all children of God. Only those who have the faith of Abraham, that first uh, uh, true Israelite, if you would, way back in, in the early uh, parts of Genesis. Here, <clears throat> in other words, here we see God use disaster to draw his people to himself and to bring about repentance and desire to come to him as children to their heavenly father. It's actually an act of love. Sometimes we think, wow, you know. But the Bible does show us and teach us very clearly that God chastises his people to bring them back. It's just like a father or a mother uh, chastise their child. They do it out of love. They want them to uh, uh, do, do the right thing. Uh, as they train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, uh, part of that is chastisement. And uh, it's, a, it's a, actually a merciful thing. Uh, God could wipe us out, but he gives us strong, severe warnings to get our attention, as it were, to come back to him. So here's the deal. What's our response going to be? You know, for the unbeliever, there's a response. And for the believer, there's a response. Um you know, for the believer, I would say this. God loves his church and his people. Be be, be aware of that. And, and while he does chastise his people, uh, he also, you know, brings the chastisement uh, around his people. And at the same time, he protects them. 
Okay, as we mentioned before, the children of Israel are captives and slaves in Egypt, and God uses uh, plagues to destroy uh, those who are coming against God's people, he miraculously, I would say, protects them and brings them out. So if you're in a situation where, you know, you're seeing all this, at least I see it this way right now, uh, I don't fear. I am not afraid of this one bit because I have been reading my Bible lately and some very great and precious promises uh, are there. And I just want to share a few of them for you as a believer. I want you to read Psalm 23. You know, Psalm 23 is so familiar to most people that we probably don't even realize what's in there anymore. It's, uh, but uh, in Psalm 23, verse 4, it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What a tremendous promise that is, that God will protect you as you go through the valley of the shadow of death. This kind of feels like that right now, to be honest with you. Uh, When you go out and and drive around, it's almost like, you know, there's some some major, uh, you know, whatever is going on. It's kind of quiet and there's not many cars on the road and not many people out in the stores. It's kind of eerie. It really is. It feels like the valley of the shadow of death and you're walking around wondering if you're going to catch the germ or not. You know, it's like, it's it's just weird. But here's a, here's a great promise from God, you know, for his people. Also, Psalm 46, 1 through 11. I'll just read a couple of those verses. The first verse is, is really key here. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, uh, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved, he uttered his voice, the earth melted, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he has made in the earth, and so forth and so on. And the last verse here, verse 11, the Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge. And then Psalm 91, just want to read that as well. Um, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Surely He hath delivered thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. Did you catch that? Pestilence. He shall cover thee with His feathers and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Here we see that the pestilence that is raging around him is killing thousands on his right hand and on his left hand. And it's really 
uh, directed towards the wicked, the wicked. Okay, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high thy habitation. That's why we can have this confidence, because we have placed our trust in the Lord. There shall be no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all ways. Oh, what a tremendous comfort is that. God's angels are watching over his people. Praise the Lord. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon. Shalt thou trample on trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer. Are you calling upon the Lord right now? Are you, are you praying and asking for him? I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So that's Psalm 46 and Psalm 91 for the believer. What about the unbeliever right now? What should your response be? Um, one of the reasons God sends these plagues and these pestilences and earthquakes and hurricanes and all these sorts of things is to get your attention, frankly. Um, and if you're an unbeliever today and, and you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, and you're not walking in his ways, and you have not uh, submitted to him and made him, not made him, he is your Lord, uh, but you received him as Lord and Savior, you should see these things in a very, very different way. God shows his mercy, but even in wrath, he, he could let this thing go on and on until it just wipes everybody off the earth. He did that one time with Noah uh, during the flood. He um, protected his person, his, his godly man Noah and his family. He led Noah ahead of time to, to build an ark to protect his family. And I'm sure they laughed him to scorn thinking, you know, it's never rained. What are you doing? And that ark was huge. But he was following the Lord. The Lord was, was showing him what he needed to do. So that when the rain came and the floods came and everything was destroyed, Noah and his family would be protected. But uh, so as an unbeliever, you should realize one thing, that the fear that you should have now is not necessarily for the coronavirus. You say, what do you mean by that? Uh, the real fear, my friend, to you is that you are infected, we're all infected, with a much more serious virus than coronavirus. It's one that can kill not only the body, but the soul in hell. And that is the virus of sin. Sin is something that we all inherit from the very moment we're born. There's not a doctor on the earth that can diagnose, well, they can diagnose it, but they don't see it for what it is, but can cure it. There is no cure. And it has a 100% guaranteed death rate. You see, the Bible says that we were all born in sin and trespasses, and we are all sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone. There is none righteous. No, not one. And so that is a very serious issue because that's, that virus, if not dealt with before you die, will uh, kill you and you will wind up in hell someday, a terrible place. And that's 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 the Bible talking, not me. So the issue there is you need to find a remedy for how to deal with that sin virus that you have and that I have. Personally, I have uh, 
received Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. The Bible says that he has, he has become our righteousness. He has died on the cross. He has fulfilled all the requirements of the law on our behalf. That's why his death on the cross is so critical. The shedding of his blood, his substitutionary death, paid for the sins of his people so that right now you can have forgiveness of sins and never have to worry about going to hell. So that's called salvation, my friend. And that is what you need to be most concerned about today. The Bible says this, that so whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Do that today. Don't laugh it off. Don't think it's funny. Don't think it's a crutch. It's real. It's real. It's very, very real. So that is the first half. We are up against a break here at this point in time, and we are going to welcome uh, the second half of our show today, uh, Congressman David H. Zimmerman, and he is from the representative from the district, the 99th district, which includes a part of Lancaster County. And we're going to talk about abortion in Pennsylvania. So I don't want you to leave. I want you to stay right there. We're looking forward to an exciting second half and a lively conversation, I'm sure. In the meantime, we're going to take a little break and we will be right back. Good morning, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ken Souter. We are biblically speaking this morning on It's a New Day, and we are in our second half of the show. Uh, the first half, we uh, talked about the coronavirus, so maybe you'll want to tune that one back in and listen to it. I think it was a, a very interesting half an hour on something that's really on a lot of our minds for sure today. But now we're turning our attention towards uh, Representative David H. Zimmerman, and he represents in the House of Representatives of Pennsylvania, the 99th District. And which I believe includes a large part of Lancaster County. So you'll want to be staying tuned for that for this half hour. And as we look forward to talking about, I know something else is on people's minds besides coronavirus. And I know a lot of us are, are, are very concerned about this matter of abortion, which has been hanging out there for years and seems like uh, we're not making much progress, I guess is what uh, how I would term it. And uh, for a long time, I, I thought that we could just you know pass a few bills and this would all go away. And I, I understand abortion is going down in, in actuality in numbers, I believe. And, and that's a good thing. But uh, for many of us, it's still um, a long ways off and we would like to actually see the complete abolition of abortion uh, in Pennsylvania, as some of the other states have already uh, done, or at least are working on that. So uh, welcome, David Zimmerman. I appreciate you coming on the show this morning. And um, maybe you can just give us a little bit of a background of uh, you know your involvement in the House of Representatives, what you do, and and uh, what you're doing in, in the House of Representatives. Oh, yeah. No, it's, uh, it's great to be on uh, uh, with you uh, this morning, Ken. And I'll just say this, that when you... Uh, are in the House of Representatives, you're appointed to various committees, and I'm uh, on the Agriculture Committee, which is a big and important part of my district. I'm on the Environmental Committee, which is a very busy committee. I'm on the Insurance Committee, and I'm also on the Health Committee. Health Committee uh, 
probably spend as much time on the health committee as the others combined, actually. And we get some of the real heavy things like uh, uh, mental health, like uh, uh, opioids, like uh, uh, marijuana and abortion, and the list goes on. And so very interested in, in doing more related to abortion for sure. And, uh, yeah, the reason that uh, we had you on this morning, a, a friend of mine, um, uh, Zachary Wicker, 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 I'm not sure, uh, but uh, he had visited with you recently and uh, was all excited to be able to share with you and uh, g- gave you a book, I believe, to read. Do you have any recollection of that book and maybe your thoughts on, on that? I know you're a busy man. You probably necessarily don't have a lot of time to read, but yeah, yeah, uh, just I, have, I, I get lots of books. I don't have it here. I'm, I'm actually at, at, uh, uh, at my district office and I have it up at the Harrisburg office. So I don't have it here at the moment. Yeah, that's a very good book. I think it's the doctrine of the lesser magistrate and, um, really, uh, gives a, a great, uh, precedent for what has been done in the past and not necessarily well in our country as well too in terms of the lower levels of government um superseding or at least uh, protecting us against the uh, tyranny that comes from above i think that is basically what the what the book is about and uh found it to be very interesting but anyway uh let's move along here what is the state of uh abolition of abortion or abortion bills in pennsylvania at this time well, so this this past year, we passed the Down syndrome bill, which uh, does not allow abortion for down detection only. Uh, there has to be more reasons uh, to go down the path of abortion. That bill was actually passed out of the health committee, um, pretty much party line. We passed it in the uh, in the House and it went over to the Senate. And uh, and at this point, uh, it's still been uh, been sitting in the Senate, but the Senate uh, uh, has heard and understands that the governor would veto that bill. And then there's also uh, a 20-week uh, uh, bill, and there's a dismemberment bill, and there's a heartbeat bill. And in Pennsylvania, currently, it's legal to abort up to 24 weeks. And uh, it's also legal to abort using the dismemberment techniques. <clears throat> I think both are 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 horrible. I mean, the, the, just the idea of dismemberment is uh, is completely barbaric. And then you get into even 24 weeks when uh, when clearly at at an earlier stage they can actually a baby can actually feel. And so the idea that we're still at 24 weeks is uh, is also completely wrong. Yeah, and have you heard um, about the, the abolition uh, movement? And I what's have, your thoughts? And, what's your thoughts on that? And yeah, I, I think it's uh, it's it's the right thing to do. It's really where we need to get to. Uh, I'm not uh, aware of any states that have actually passed it and it's become law, unless uh, you have, and I've just not heard that. Uh, but I do know there's several states, a number of states that actually are 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 trying uh, to get that accomplished, but I've not heard of any state that has actually been successful. Um, which raises, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. It's probably uh, realistically with the governor we have um, not probably going to get passed. However, I would say 
the right thing to do uh, would be to, you know, move in that direction. And I guess my, my question might be to you, is that something that you would be interested in sponsoring? I, I'd be, I'd be happy to introduce a bill like that. And, and I, I will be very honest that out of the health committee uh, with chairman Kathy Rapp, uh, uh, very, very pro-life. As a matter of fact, every Republican uh, house member that's on the health committee is pro-life and we have the majority. So we would pass, we could easily pass that bill out of the health committee. Uh, we can pass any of these bills out of health committee. At that point, uh, we would not be able to get it passed on the House floor. Uh, we have, again, we have the majority uh, in, 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 in Republicans in the House. However, uh, there's a number of uh, Republicans that would not vote for a bill like that. And also, uh, we would, if we get any Democrats, it would be very, very few. Um, and that's that's just the realities of, of where we're at because we have we have the heartbeat bill we'd really like to move uh, but we've not been able to wrangle up enough of votes on the floor again we could vote it out of uh, out of the health committee but we don't have enough on the on the floor to get it passed yeah so maybe you can help me and our, our listening audience understand uh, the last time I checked on that I believe I called Kathy Rapp's office or something in one of her aides there gave a reason why it hasn't moved out of committee yet is that is there any reason for do you know know why it hasn't or what what's i mean even this bill is like seems like we just can't get to a point where it's even voted on i'd like to know who's for and against yeah so again you know kathy rapp would i think move it in a heartbeat uh and uh and then we would we would have the votes in health committee to to, to vote it out of committee and the procedure would be that it has to pass out of health committee. It goes on the House floor and would have to pass there and then move over to the Senate and, uh, and, 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 and it would land in the, in the health committee over in the Senate. It would have to pass there, pass on the Senate floor and then would finally get to the governor and he would have to sign it in order for it to become law. And so what's going on is that, uh, the, uh, um, you know, as you know, that House members have a two year term. So right after an election, that first year is the time that bills like this would move because uh, the last thing that some members want to do is, is vote on a bill like this uh, on in, in an election year. And so right now we're back into an election year. So we tried hard to move some bills last year. And did get the Down syndrome bill moved, and uh, and then we just couldn't get that the whole way through. And of course, with a with a governor also uh, threatening a veto at that point. Mm. So, in terms of uh, an abolition bill, you're saying that you would consider doing that? Yes, I'd I'd consider introducing it uh, as far as getting it to uh, move even out of health committee uh, would be a heavy lift. Because uh, we have the 20-week bill and the dismemberment bill that that uh, several years ago we moved uh, those bills and we got it the whole way through the House and the Senate and then the governor vetoed it and uh, we also have the heartbeat bill that Stephanie Borwicks from uh, upstate uh, introduced that bill I was involved with her in that process I'm a co-sponsor of the bill. And we've uh, tried hard to move that bill this past year, and 
and uh, we were trying to get enough of votes on the House so that if we get it out of Health Committee, it would actually move on the House floor, and we weren't able to get that accomplished. I, I, I hear you in terms of the heavy lift, and uh, you know, I, I, I know it looks almost impossible probably to, to get something like that passed for sure. But, uh, you know, just looking from the standpoint of doing the right thing and, <clears throat> excuse me, and finding out where folks are on this. Uh, frankly, I, I would like to know, uh, up or down, a lot of these bills that are being introduced are, you know, being voted down by so-called good Republicans, which is uh, mm-hmm. very, very disheartening uh, in my view. Um, and so why not put something out there that uh, – you know, doesn't manage and just sort of what we seems to be doing is this is frankly, it's 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 murder. It is. And and so what would oh, we do with any question. other? Yeah. What would we do with any other murder? I mean, we wouldn't play around with it and manage it and say, well, you know, you know, people under tend to get murdered or different than people, uh, you know, over 20 that get murdered, you know, whatever. It seems ludicrous. It seems so incomprehensible that we're just sort of managing it and playing around with it and sort of kicking it around when we should be really aiming for what it truly is and, um, you know, treating it as a crime in which it is. And it's, it's murder. No, I, uh, Ken, I agree wholeheartedly with you. For example, you know, we have uh, – Throughout the Old Testament scriptures, we have, uh, you know, incidents of child sacrifice and, you know, the uh, mm-hmm. idol Moloch where, where uh, you know, a, a statue made it, you know, formed like a human uh, with a bull's head and with arms outstretched. And they would put these live babies and on, 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 on the arms that were heated up. And if they didn't die there, they'd fall into the fire pit below and. And, you know, that's uh, that's that's just horrendous. And I believe that today's abortion really is a modern day sacrifice. And mm. if you read Proverbs 617, it, it talks about how God hates hands that shed innocent blood. And I, I think without a doubt, this is innocent blood. Mm-hmm. And to take it a step further, just in, in, in our country, in America, in 2020, January and February alone, we aborted 141,000 babies. The next uh, uh, killer was was heart disease. 104,000 died of heart disease in January and February alone. 96,000 died of cancer, and that list goes down from there. But to have 141,000 babies killed in abortion in those two months above any other disease that killed numbers uh, it's just it's just horrendous that that we continue to do that here in America, and we can't. Uh, get legislation passed that would completely uh, abandon it. I mean, it's, it's just it's just awful. And I think you know, and any of these bills, and a bill that would completely abolish it, I would vote for um, without question. It's it's so interesting that if we were to treat animals the way we treat humans, in other words, people who would be aborting. Uh, baby dogs or whatever, you know, there would be an outcry and just a tremendous pushback. And I think something could probably be passed very shortly when it has to do with animals. You know, we live in such a twisted and upside down world at this point in time. Animals, I love animals. We have animals, but 
they're not humans. <laughs> it's uh, exactly. you know, we all, no, I'm I'm with you. We have, you know, I grew up on a dairy farm, and uh, we have uh, quite a few animals. Uh, my kids uh, competed with horses, and you know, we're uh, uh, you know big into 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 animals as well. But to treat them uh, even better than humans is is just unconscionable. You know, and we have uh, a, a budget that we're now working on every February. Beginning of February, the governor gives a budget address to the to the legislature, to both the House and the Senate members, and uh, and kind of lays out his plans and goals. And in his budget, he's asking for an extra three million dollars for Planned Parenthood. And uh, you know we're certainly going to do everything we can to make sure that doesn't happen, uh, and, and completely defund the Planned Parenthood. However, that's that's a request. So now it's the House's responsibility to actually put a budget together, and then work with the Senate and have a final plan that we send over to the governor uh, by the end of June for him to sign into law. We're, we're required actually to have a budget by the end of June. And so that's what we're working on now. And, and to have uh, just seen pictures the other day of, of the governor sitting, holding his second grandchild and uh, yeah. still the idea that he supports and promotes abortion is just unbelievable to me that uh, that he can, you know, be there with his own grandchildren and yet supports uh, uh, what's going on uh, with abortion. Do you have any sense of uh, your colleagues there out in Harrisburg who would vote for an a- abolition bill? Yeah, I mean, clearly I do. I uh, I think a number of us on the health committee would would clearly vote for that. Like I say, we're all uh, strong uh, pro life individuals, and uh, and 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 yeah, I could pretty much give you names of those that probably would 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 vote for that. Uh, would would be co sponsors of it. Uh, one. The one uh, individual, Stephanie Borwick, said that actually uh, sponsored the heartbeat bill. She would do that in a heartbeat. Uh, Kate Klunk, uh, that uh, introduced the Down syndrome bill from Southern York County, she would uh, clearly be on a bill like that. Uh, and then, uh, again, you know, we, we had tried a 20-week and a dismemberment bill. Any of the individuals that were, you know, part of that would be very supportive. Uh, Brett... Uh, uh, Miller that heads up our prayer caucus uh, that I then co uh, chair with him. Uh, he would be on that uh, uh, for sure. So yeah, there's there's a number number of reps. But keep in mind, there's 203 House members, there's 110 Republicans, and we need a majority. Right. So uh, uh, that's that's our challenge then uh, is to get a majority. Uh, when we we get it out on the house floor, mm-hmm. sure, I, I I understand the numbers, and I know I know we need majorities and all that sort of thing, um, and I applaud the you know that they're at least moving in that direction. However, um, and I I think what I'm hearing you say is that you you do agree that uh, um, we're not we shouldn't just be managing it, and we you know it's murder, and whether it's yeah, what, no, you know, no doubt about it. Whatever, and we need to, yeah, yeah, and somehow, somehow, we believe that you know, or society believes that you know, there's an abortion performed and and life goes on, but the hard realities are that that these individuals that uh, that have abortions, it's not over with the abortion. It's mm-hmm. something that'll haunt them for life, and 
And we've had, you know, individuals come to my office that have dealt with this and, and, uh, you know, and we can kind of point them to some, you know, some, maybe get some help and so forth. And, uh, but, you know, the hard reality is government, uh, simply can't, can't, uh, uh, help with everything and, and is just not positioned to help with everything. But, but the reality is that it does not go away with an abortion. It's, it's something that, that'll be with an individual, uh, for life. Uh, the emotional, you know, effects of all of that is something we, that, that I fear we is never talked about. Mm-hmm. And then those individuals are left to deal with that even after, in, after the fact. And so it's, it's a sad, sad commentary that we're, uh, killing more babies than people, than individuals that die of heart attacks in a year. It's just, it's unbelievable. What, do you have any sense of how many babies are murdered in Pennsylvania? Uh, what the, what the numbers the are? Pennsylvania, I don't have the Pennsylvania numbers uh, at this point. Those were national statistics, but, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. even in Pennsylvania, you know, we're, we're performing abortions, uh, every day. We have the clinics. We've, uh, I think there's been some progress made on pushing back on Planned Parenthood uh, uh, this past year, for example, and a lot of people don't know this, uh, uh, the University of Pittsburgh, uh, Pitt, was actually uh, doing, selling baby parts in Europe, and uh, and we uh, had learned about that and, and challenged them, and pretty much they said, well, they're going to quit doing that. Uh, however, we still, as a as a, um, a legislature, gave them a five percent increase in, in in yearly funding, as we did to some of the other uh, higher education uh, state institutions. And and I say we should we should not be providing any dollars to an institution that's per- performing things like that. So. So there's there's a lot going on. There's uh, a lot that we need to to do uh, to push back on abortion because it is murder. It is wrong, and uh, and we have a lot more work to do. There's a number of us in the house that that are believers and that would would clearly be opposed to it and would sign on to a bill that would abolish abortion completely. We could get it out of the health committee. We would not at this point be able to get it passed on the house floor, and it would have to get that step made it would have to get through the senate and and we don't have a governor that would sign it into law either at this point so but you would governor as well you would work with uh doing that you would what you're saying is you would commit to doing that yes without a doubt i would okay. i would happy to introduce a bill like that uh, the, the the again the challenge will be that that even getting it out of health committee because not because we 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 wouldn't uh, agree as Republicans and have enough of votes, our challenge would be then is to move it on the House floor. Mm-hmm. And we have so many that don't want us to move a bill out of committee on a House floor uh, without kind of the right timing and, and the election <laughs> election season is what I'm hearing you say, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. That that has a huge impact on bills like this. Yeah. Well, I think for that. many of us, if we got something out there, at least we could contact uh, and start working and, and you know, uh, making it a campaign issue because uh, I think I think what I'm seeing in the country, um, across the country since uh, President uh, um, Trump has become president, uh, to see more of a uh, oh uh, attempt, uh, desire, whatever you want to call it, to move towards a complete abolition and criminalization of abortion and. and, and, and uh, 
Yeah. And the president is there. I mean, he's he's with us on it at this point. And, you know, the and, and, and Ken, I'll, I'll just say this, that last year, just before Easter, uh, Ohio had had a heartbeat bill. And that's, you know, when there's a heartbeat detected that there's no abortion can happen. And some of those are, you know, uh, uh, can be detected in within eight weeks. So uh, so what they did is they. They ran the bill and uh, ran it out of committee, health committee, and then they put it on up up on the House floor. And Candace Keller, a state rep in in Ohio, a fellow believer that was 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 there. And when she walked into the chamber, the House chamber, they uh, voted on several other bills. But she noticed that the gallery is just packed with people. And as soon as they got to the heartbeat bill, they were rolling down banners and making a lot of noise. The speaker had to get order in the chamber several times and uh, mm-hmm. right. they ended up uh, passing the bill anyway. And the next day, that was a Thursday. And uh, the following Friday was was Good Friday and, they, and the governor wanted to sign it the following Friday on Good Friday, which would have been eight days later. He has 10 days to, to do something with a bill. And uh, and he ended up signing it the very next day because he said that would have been the longest week of his life if he wanted to sign it the next day. And so he did that instead of waiting till for Good Friday. So what we did is we when we passed the Down syndrome bill last summer, we uh, I had contacted the Pennsylvania Family Institute and got them involved. Uh, and then somebody contacted the Pro-Life Federation, which is uh, a number of uh, Catholics involved there. And we we packed the house chamber at 11 o'clock in the morning and, um, you know, with good people on our side. And we never passed the Down syndrome bill till 730 that evening, 720, something like that. And the hard reality is that that uh, um, bill, you know, we built we passed the bill and there was no, you know, no, uh, no real issues. Uh, um, you know, there was. uh Almost half the chamber voted against it, but we we did pass the bill and we debated it for a long time, but we passed it and it moved on over to the Senate and that's where it kind of got stuck. Right, right. Well, um, I'm encouraged <laughs> to uh, talk to you, brother, and uh, um, I'm sure you're uh, doing all you can do and we look forward to we'll probably will reach out to your office if that's okay and and, and keep sure. tabs on where, where this is going and uh, hopefully again we, we know that y- you don't make all the decisions but um, we would like to at least begin moving that direction and, and, and see where folks are and um, you know very rarely do things happen the first time but there has to be a start and the battle begins uh, that's kind of how we see it Sure. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, what what tends to happen is we kind of get things in increments in Harrisburg and uh, and uh, but so we keep trying. What's uh, what other issues at uh, this time are you working on as we finish out? We only have a few more minutes. So I'll give you an opportunity to talk yeah, about there's, maybe there's some other things. That... And, yeah, because because I'm on the health committee, too, we've uh, this coronavirus has uh, been taking a lot of time in, in, in the last. Uh, several weeks here. Uh, that's one big issue. Uh, a number of, uh, of of agriculture issue with the dairy industry that's still in trouble, and uh, uh, and we're again working on 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 a budget that, that includes uh, our whole state. Uh, we have a governor that's asking for an extra two billion dollars uh, 
don't think we can find that uh, for, for him for sure. And especially now that coronavirus has hit and the impact it has uh, on our businesses, which are the backbone of our, our country. The other thing on the environmental side of things, uh, I'm a huge believer in good conservation practices, but uh, the hard reality is that uh, many of these people are, are taking environmental issues to extremes and, and uh, the cost of that uh, is devastating to businesses and to our farmers. And so we're doing some pushback on, on some of that overreach that's happening. And uh, and so lots going on. Uh, um, yeah, much more beyond all that even. Mm, I'm sure you've got your plate full there every single day. Well, we certainly uh, enjoy having a conversation with you today, and uh, I, I know that many are in, listening in the audience today that are um, very much in favor of uh, abolition, and I know you've got that message, so we'll be hopefully reaching out to you and just seeing how this goes and uh, understanding that you're not the final say and the end-all, be-all, but uh, we do look for you to at least step up at this point and uh, – we don't expect you to get it through. It's, it may or may not get through. We certainly pray for that. But, uh, you know, I believe that uh, God can do anything. I mean, there's just oh. incredible things that happen in history where God's people have uh, uh, trusted him and looked to him and prayed and uh, changed the hearts and minds. Ultimately, I guess that's what has to happen because uh, unless and until you see um, – what's really going on. And frankly, it took me quite a while to really get beyond it and just say, well, yeah, this is, <laughs> this is murder. I mean, we, I've been going to the abortion clinic, not as frequently as some of my friends do, but from time to time, I'll, I'll go down there and there's a, a faithful few that are there every day trying to encourage the women to other options and, and so forth. And, uh, so it is a, a grievous sin in our nation and uh, one which we hope that uh, God will be merciful and um, uh, bring us leaders, frankly, who will uh, do the right thing and uh, ab abolish this this, this tr tremendous uh, uh, sin that's uh, taking place in our nation. So anyway, our House Speaker is, is very interested in, in, in these abortion bills as well and and very very much a pro-life uh, individual as well so, oh well that's that's encouraging to hear so there is there's there's clearly there's clearly hope uh, mm -hmm. uh we just uh we just need to need to keep working to get it done is there any uh regular bible studies or prayer meetings that go on out there amongst you believers uh yeah so we have uh we have a, a prayer caucus uh in in harrisburg that both uh, House and Senate members uh, can attend every every Monday uh, prior to session. Um, Brett Miller, Representative Brett Miller, is the chairman. I uh, I uh, co-chair that that committee. Uh, there's uh, I understand from Randy Forbes that was a U.S. congressman that had started the uh, prayer caucus in D.C. and and has he's no longer a congressman from the Carolinas and he's been working on states across the nation. We're up to 40 states now that have prayer caucuses. And then there's also through the Capitol Commission, uh, there's a, a Bible study every Tuesday morning. Mm -hmm. And um, um, and that's uh, that's ongoing as well. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly how many states the uh, Capitol Commission is in, but uh, 36 or so as well. So 
so there is some, you know, some real movements there. Uh, um, you know, my, um, my good friend, David Barton with wall builders, uh, I oh, yeah. see quite often, uh, uh, good, uh, good individual. And I have a daughter in Texas, so I have some reasons to be down there at times, but, uh, uh, but, uh, his, uh, what he's doing, you know, with, uh, given some of the, uh, the history, he does an annual, uh, a uh, couple day session with state legislators from across the country. And I've learned to know quite a few people uh, through that program. And, uh, and even right here in Pennsylvania, what so few know the vision that William Penn had to have Pennsylvania be the, um, um, not only the example for religious freedom for the new country at that time, but for the world over. And if we could just get back to that, and I've been doing uh, tours, the Sacred Challenge tours with uh, Abby Evilness, uh on, um, um, you know, the William Penn stories is all over the Capitol there, and and uh, there's Bible verses and, and and so forth. So we uh, we dig deep into into what's there and what it all represents. So yeah, uh, to uh, say that we don't have the inside tour like that really needs to. So, so you're welcome to come up, Ken, if you've never had that. Yeah, no, I, I would love to do that. And I know there's a tremendous amount of biblical, um, whatever verses and so forth all throughout the, the state house there. And, uh, it's just, uh, really amazing that you could be so blind as to not see our, our Christian heritage. And what really truly made us a great nation is, is, uh, is, uh, is our Christian uh, heritage, I believe. And yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah. So anyway, I think we've run out of time, uh, okay. Representative Zimmerman. I so much appreciate talking. We will be in touch to your office there. and We're going to hold you accountable, brother. <laughs> okay. And uh, we're going to work with you. And uh, hopefully we're going to, you know, we're going to pray this through and, and, and see what God will do. And so we're wonderful. Running out of time at this point, and so you've been listening to Biblically Speaking here on WFYL 1180 AM, where we're speaking about things that matter. And I hope you tune in next time. This is Ken Souter from Biblically Speaking. We'll talk to you later, guys. Bye.